0: <clears throat> I think uh, many of you know that tonight will be the last night that Randy and Marilyn Carson's will be among us. We bid them fond farewell uh, tonight um, to valued uh, staff members. I, 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 I know us. They're over there. They're teaching. They're teaching. Oh, hmm. okay. Well, uh, at dessert time, um, we'll we have this special dessert. I, I was trying to say. I hope you'll stay around and say goodbye to them. We have a special dessert. You've had uh, a wonderful meal. Somebody told me that they were very reluctant to stay and hear me teach now that they have eaten so well. I get that, <clears throat> um, but then you got a great dessert. So the the beginning and the end will be great. It's just the middle that's somewhat suspect. So hope you'll stay around say goodbye to Randy and Marilyn. Um, Certainly a staff member who has been valued here for, gosh, I guess seven years now. And I think most of you know is going to a, a, a small church in uh, Hot Springs Village that has not had a pastor for two years. And so um, they're looking forward to having him, and he's looking forward to going. So now with that said, I'll try to remind you when, uh, when we're done. Last week, the text that I read you about the ascension, he ascended into heaven and seated at the right hand of God the Father Almighty, um, I, I took you to Acts chapter 1, and, and I said to you there that there's a couple of things in there that um, uh, are of interest elsewhere. And it's this, it's this 11th verse uh, where the angels say to these men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. The clause that we're looking at tonight in the Apostles' Creed is, from thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. Uh, Ascended into heaven and seated at the right hand of God the Father, and from thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. There's a question as to whether the word is thence or whence. It really doesn't matter. Um, Thence is from there he shall come to judge, or from whence or from where he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. Whichever word you like. And the word quick, of course, means the, the living. Gang, the great hope, of the Christian church has always been this truth. That redemption still has a a not-yet-written chapter that we await um, in the future. There is still more work to do for Jesus Christ. Um, One of the things that I've, I've often wondered because you know, one of my heroes, John Calvin, said that that no man is ever over seventy percent right, and if that means that means that we're not quite that that high, uh, I mean, we probably have more unright than than that. But I wonder if one day, once this has occurred, uh, that he's come to judge the quick and the dead, that we're going to look back at texts that we thought we understood and say something like, oh, that's what that meant. Because there's this, there's this remaining event that is yet to unfold um, that interpretively, ladies and gentlemen, will change, <clears throat> maybe not everything, but change a lot of things. That he will come to judge the quick and the dead. Now, gang... Um, <clears throat> Kind of the, um, the one passage that teaches it so succinctly is, is found in John 5. Um, Jesus is speaking and he says, Do not marvel at this, for an hour is coming when all who are in tombs will hear his voice and come out, listen, those who have done good to the resurrection of life and those who have done evil to the resurrection of judgment. There is a description there of a general Resurrection. Um, at which time, this returning Savior will judge the quick and the dead. The, the, the graves will give up their dead, the living and all will be judged. This, this coming Savior, this last redemptive event, awaiting we await it, and it has been the great hope of the church. <clears throat> However, with that said, um, it is also a discussion that is fraught with peril <clears throat> in terms of um, understanding it aright. <clears throat> what you are being introduced in, perhaps you've seen this word before. It's the word eschatology. <clears throat> this clause in the um, in the Apostles' Creed introduces us to the whole. Science, I guess you'd call it, it's an ology, um, of the eschaton, of the last things, or it's called eschatology. How is all that going to unfold? Well, guys, um, <clears throat> the answer to that question has caused so much. Um, wow um fighting inside the christian church and i'll show you a little bit of it uh tonight but not the fighting but the, the why they fight i'm going to tell you a story <clears throat> um speaking of the fighting i have a friend in the ministry who um who who made a few mistakes and um was basically run out of his his, uh, his, his, his ministry, <clears throat> and um, went to another city. And uh, about six years later, um, one of the men who had, opposed, had so opposed him showed up in the parking lot. And um, uh, my friend's secretary buzzes him and says, uh, Joe Jones, that's not his name, Joe Jones is, um, wants to see you. And this is the man who had really kind of done him in in his previous job. So my friend said, well, send him in. So he comes in and he, um, he apologizes. Uh, I am so sorry that I participated in your demise. Terrible things, and I want you to know that I was one of the Leaders of this, of this attack on you, <clears throat> and so my friend said to him, "Well, Joe, um, um, why why did you um, come after me with such vehemence?" And he says, uh, "Because you were wrong theologically." He said, Well That's uh, interesting." And he said. Um, Uh, exactly what part of my theology um, was so wrong. And he said, you were not a pre-tribulation rapture man. Folks, do you even know what that is? I mean, all I'm trying to illustrate is this man felt justified to absolutely attack another man and run him out of town, and he succeeded, over the pre-tribulation view of the rapture. Now, we're going to take a little bit of a look at that in a minute, but I have a book in my hand called The Great Rapture Hoax. Um, And then on the back of it, he tells you, he's talking about what does the pre-tribulation rapture mean. So this book is not aimed at just the rapture. It's aimed at the pre-tribulation rapture, and he calls it a hoax. Now, guys, I'm not saying that he's right. I, I don't, well, we'll talk about that in a minute, but I'm not saying he's right. I'm simply saying that this subject, which has been the great hope of the Christian church, is fraught with peril. People fight over it. like. And by the way, if you are a um, fan of TBN, you have been fed that which this man calls a hoax. That's all you really have heard is a pre-tribulation. I had a man tell me recently that there is not going to be any rapture. Now, I find that difficult uh, based on 1 Thessalonians 4, but he stood there in our sanctuary and told me there was not going to be a rapture. Well, okay, I I certainly wasn't going to wrestle him to the ground there in the sanctuary, but guys, people have done that. This thing, which is supposed to be our pastoral hope, oh, life is hard, it's been hard, it's full of pain, my body is racked with pain, but I can look forward to the second coming of Jesus Christ, the great hope of the church, and we've done nothing but fight over it. <clears throat> Let me confess just a little bit of my sin. I don't remember... Now, maybe my wife could tell me differently. I don't remember ever having preached a sermon on the second coming of Christ. And it's something that I believe passionately and eagerly await. But I've never preached it because it creates such a fuss. Gang, um, maybe you've, you've been involved with churches in the past and they would find they would find, um, they would find uh, that the numbers on Sunday night were kind of, you know, that's back when people went to church on Sunday night, and, and they still do in some places, and the numbers were declining and they'd say, and I've heard him say this. Well, I guess I better preach on the second coming because that'll pump the numbers up. That which is intended to be a hope Has become the source of. Now, that's why I say it is fraught with peril. First of all, guys, um, when it comes to eschatology, which is the subject that covers a lot, but one of the things it covers is the second coming, um, you're trying to interpret the future, not the past. If it's a past event, you can look at it and say, well, this happened. But what you're trying to do in, in eschatology is interpret the future. And, and we have several things in here that are, are addressing the subject. But if you're going to try to interpret that, you better be doggone careful. Let me give you another um, just a warning. When it comes to the passages that are discussing this great hope of the church, you are dealing with a particular brand of biblical literature. You're dealing not with historical narrative. For instance, uh, David and Goliath. That's historical narrative. That's easy to preach. Um, Abraham taking Isaac to sacrifice him. That's historical narrative. But when it comes to this subject, you're dealing with the book of Daniel, or at least a portion of it, two or three chapters in Ezekiel. You're dealing with the book of Revelation. And you're dealing with the Olivet Discourse, which is Matthew 24 and 25. Guys, that is apocalyptic literature. And it is much more difficult to handle than a piece of historical narrative. Folks, if you want a a, a challenge for the next 11 months, I tell you what, just study Matthew 24 and 25. That's called the Olivet Discourse. And see what you come up with. It is difficult stuff. <clears throat> and and um, you, you never really know whether he's talking about um the destruction of Jerusalem in seventy A.D. or whether he's talking about events at the end. Actually, I, I tell you what I want you to do. I want you to go there with me. I want you to go to Matthew uh, twenty-four. I think it is. <clears throat> um, Hold on. Yes, Matthew twenty-four, <clears throat> verse fourteen. <clears throat> um, <clears throat> gang, if you read, um, if you read in this this section, this paragraph, beginning of verse three, you're going to find that there's going to be some signs that are going to occur uh, before he comes again. Look at verse nine. Tribulation put you to death. You've been hated by all nations for my name's sake. Uh, there will many fall away, betray one another, and hate one another, and many false prophets will arise and lead many astray. People are saying, oh, 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 and look, um, lawlessness will be increased. The loved men will grow, grow cold. He who endures to the end will be saved. People say, okay, that's talking about the second coming. And then look at Verse 14. And this gospel of the kingdom will be proclaimed throughout the whole world as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. Okay? So, if you read other portions of these two chapters, you will find statements that seem to describe the destruction of Jerusalem in 70 A.D. And it's almost like he's going from one to the other, back and forth. But, gang, it's Difficult biblical literature. And for these fellas to get on television and start mapping things out with dogmatism, it does nothing but create friction. Gang, there is a hope that we have of Jesus Christ's return. All things wrong are going to be set right. That's what we have to fix our attention on. But this hope for his return has given rise to a number of fanatical sects, sects, S-E-T-S, and thus fighting galore. Gang, um, when and how Jesus will return. This clause, it tells you that he's going to come And he's going to judge the quick and the dead. It does not tell you when and how. And that's where all the fighting occurs. Everybody thinks they got it pegged. And I'm going to close by telling you I don't think you do. But first, let me me show you just the options that are available to you that get talked about when it comes to eschatology. All right? Gang, all I want you to do is to walk out of here feeling smart. Uh, So I'm going to give you some words, and many of you have seen these words before. But hopefully, that won't be where it stops. We'll just, we'll see where it goes. Gang, there are three, probably four options of trying to answer the when and the how of his coming to judge the cook and the dead. All right? There is what's called pre- millennialism. <clears throat> uh, you can see the word millennium. That's the thousand years. There's all kinds of argument over whether that's a literal thousand years or a figurative thousand years. <clears throat> Premillennials say that Jesus Christ is going to come pre, before this thousand years. Then there are the post don't make me write that again. <clears throat> um, those are the ones who say just the opposite. Who then say that Jesus is going to come after the thousand years. And then there are the ah, the ah who say there is no thousand years, literally, no thousand years. This is a figurative number and that we are in the millennium right now. Then there is one other. It's called dispensational premillennialism. Now, guys, um, I I hope that you and I won't, because I want you to hold on to the hope and not get caught up in this stuff. But i got to tell you, most of you have been taught This one. In the south, that's the dominant position. And I would say to you, and of course you'd expect me to say something like this, about the only one that you can't be is that one. And that's the one that you've been taught. It uh, talks about uh, reinstituting the sacrificial system in the temple in Jerusalem. Do you really believe that we're going to sacrifice animals again in a temple in Jerusalem? Well, that's dispensational pre and that's what you've been taught in, in most instances. All in an effort to try and understand the how and the when of his coming. Guys, um, in dispensationalism, there is a discussion about the tribulation. <laughs> uh, um, you know the great tribulation where everything really gets bad. Within that camp, within that position, there are three more positions. You've got a pre-trib, mid-trib, post-trib. That says that Jesus is going to come before the tribulation, and that's what this man hated my friend over, that he wasn't a pre-trib. You've got ones that are mid-tribs, that he's going to come in the middle of the tribulation, And then you've got those who say he's going to come post tribulation, but after the tribulation. And then there's a fight and an argument over how long is the tribulation. It started with 15 days, then it went to three months. It's ended up at seven years. And they fight over that. How long is the tribulation? So, guys, I don't know who did this. I don't know who's to blame for all of it. I'm saying that one of the great hopes of the church that has been at the center of her belief system is that we can look forward to the literal, bodily, physical return of Jesus Christ to close up all of history. And that's our hope. We hang on for that hope. But in the midst of teaching that, this has erupted. And I think that's um, very, very unfortunate. And it has kept me from going to the pulpit to try and teach something about the second coming. But tonight, you are going to get a first. Um, I want to do my best to give you just as little as I can give you but underscore the hope concerning the second coming. So, let me ask you to turn to Matthew 25. <clears throat> you know, I've had people say to me, you know, you know Jimmy, before you retire, you, know, you need to preach through the book of Revelation. No. I'm not going to do it. Um, I have people sending me commentaries, you know, so I can get ready for my series on Revelation, which I'm not preparing. <clears throat> hadn't even looked at the book, but I got one. I mean, I got several, but I mean, I had one guy send me a book and say, this will help you in your upcoming series on Revelation. I'm not going to do it. But here's what I would like to do for you. Uh, <clears throat> This is, the closest, this is as close as I'll get. Then the kingdom of heaven will be like ten virgins who took their lamps and went to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish and five were wise. For when the foolish took their lamps, they took no oil with them, but the wise took flasks of oil with their lamps. As the bridegroom was delayed, they all became drowsy and slept. But at midnight, there was a cry, "'Here's the bridegroom! Come out to meet him!' Then all those virgins rose, trimmed their lamps, and the foolish said to the wise, "'Give us some of your oil, for our lamps are going out.' But the wise answered, saying, "'Since there will not be enough for us and for you, go rather to the dealers and buy for yourselves.' And while they were going to buy, the bridegroom came. And those who were ready went in with him to the marriage feast, and the door was shut. Afterward, the other virgins came also saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. But he answered, Truly I say to you, I do not know you. Watch, therefore. For you know neither the day nor the hour. Gang, that's a parable, the parable of the ten virgins, you've seen it. And I think I preached that once before. Um, but do you do you see the very clear point of the parable? The call to us as we await the arrival of the bridegroom, you can call it what you want. You must be ready for that. And if you are not ready for that, you be shut out. So instead of wasting your time trying to figure this all out, you need to prepare. Um, just a couple of things in the parable. Um. for you know neither the day nor the hour. Okay, that is something that's repeated two or three times in the New Testament. That is, in terms of his coming, you do not know the day nor the hour, and yet we've had this discussion erupt over centuries of debate in the church to what prophet I do not know. Now, g- gang... Everything in the Scriptures is important. The second coming is important. It's a great hope that we have. Yes. But again and again, the instruction is. In fact, Jesus is even asked when he's going to come again. And he said, well, you know, I don't know. Only the Father knows. Stop it. Stop going to the prophecy conferences. Stop looking at TBN. They do nothing but befuddle you and unnecessarily rile you. We do not know when he's coming. He said that. He said it four times. What he has instructed us to do is to prepare for his arrival. That we know. That we can deal with. And if you find that your soul is lazy and ill-prepared or unprepared, I am here to tell you, on the authority of Jesus Christ in this parable, you will be shut out. Hey, let us in now. And Jesus will say, I don't even know you. Because anybody who wouldn't prepare for my arrival... And anybody who got so bogged down that they were distracted, not not uh, concerned about preparation for his arrival, they must not be my people, gang. I, I want you to have the sweetness of the hope that this is all going to every. I mean, it, it's in the Lord of the Rings trilogy, and, and um, I think it was I think it was Samwise Gamgee that said who said to frodo that everything everything wrong is going to be right that's not exactly right but brothers and sisters everything that is wrong is going to be righted how i'm not sure when i don't know here's my only proper response then when the heavens split open and you hear something that sounds like a trumpet, that you're prepared for that. And here's how preparation is made. I embrace the finished work of Jesus Christ in that alone so that I can stand before Him claiming no righteousness of my own, but only His. The wonder of the gospel, ladies and gentlemen, is merely this, The very righteousness that God demands, He provided. That is a great message. That is a great God. That is good news. It is to tell you that everything He demands, He provided for you in Christ. Now embrace that. If you haven't, you will be shut out. Forever. We'll quit there. <clears throat> Our Father, I do pray that you will remind us that there is, there's one more huge redemptive event um, that we still await, the final consummation of the kingdom when Jesus Christ comes and sets up shop to judge the living and the dead. But for us, O oh God, who find that the Christian church is becoming more and more of a global minority, would you, um, would you comfort us with the knowledge that everything wrong is going to be set right and that one day this Savior Is going to return for His people, return for His bride, and He will judge all mankind. And the only way to properly prepare for Him is to yield in glad and hearty submission to the One who we expect to return. It is our joy to do so, Lord Jesus. What a Savior You are, And one day, uh, we will celebrate with gladly bended knees your return. Might your people hold on dearly to the hope without having to know all the answers to their questions. We ask it, of course, in Jesus' name. Amen.